You're listening to the Scotiabank Market Points Podcast. I'm your host, Greg White. Market Points is part of the Knowledge Capital series, a collection of audio, video, and written commentary from Scotiabank Global Banking and Markets leaders designed to provide you with timely insights and analysis. When Amazon entered the marketplace, it triggered a retail revolution. The convenience factor has quickly become a necessity for many consumers, and the lasting impact on consumer behavior will most certainly be significant. But right now, retail is reeling with an unprecedented retraction in sales, big-name bankruptcies, and mounting unemployment. On this episode of Market Points, Patricia Baker, Director of Retailing and Global Equity Research at Scotiabank, brings us up to speed with the current conditions and shares her thoughts on how shopping has changed forever. Hi, Patricia. Thanks for joining us on the podcast today. It's my pleasure, Greg. Uh, The U.S. retail numbers have just come out, so that's probably the best place to start. Can you break down those numbers for us? The data that was released last week really points to the severe disruption that we've seen from COVID-19 on the retail sector. The month's figures showed the largest decline since the data started to be collected in 1992. Year on year, April 2020 compared to April 2019, overall retail sales were down 21.6%. But if we compare the, Mar- the April figures to the March figures, they were down 16.4% from the March uh, levels on a month-on-month basis. Inside those numbers, there are some uh, dramatic differences across sectors. The food and beverage category actually up 12% year on year, but did decline 13% uh, on a month month basis comparing to March where we saw the big surge in grocery shopping. Clothing and accessories was hardest hit down 89.3% year on year. Furniture, furniture stores down 66.5. Broader general merchandise down 14.9. And gasoline stations down 42.8%. This is a big disruption to consumer spend and a big disruption for uh, retail. It makes the operating models very difficult when you have that level of decline. For retail, April 2020 is going to go down as a lost month. Now, in Canada, the latest data that we have is for February. The March data will be released on Friday. However, there's no reason to believe April trends in Canada will be any different to what we've seen in the U.S. So significant downturn in the retail numbers. Where did uh, online shopping come in as a support system there to to provide at least an uptick or an offset to those um, lower retail numbers? Excellent question, Greg. Um, Certainly COVID-19 has acted as a huge catalyst to shift consumers to online shopping. And I'm sure that the companies that made the, the right technological investments over the course of the past several years and were positioned with an online platform were in a lot better position than those that uh, didn't. And um, we have some data that's come out with the Q1 results, giving us an indication of where online uh, numbers shifted, and they are very big numbers. Walmart uh, indicated their online sales in Q1 were up 74%, Target up 141%. Costco sales were up, online sales were up 86% in April. And just moving here to Canada, looking at a few of the companies that have given us um, stats, Loblaw's online sales penetration tripled uh, uh, on the back of COVID-19. And we estimate that they're now running at about a 6% rate uh, of on, pe- online penetration. Uh, Metro indicated that their online sales have more than doubled. Canadian Tire on the general merchandise side Overall, including their three banners, Sport Check, Marks, and Canadian Tire, their online sales 
surged 44%. But interesting story at the core Canadian tire retail stores where online sales were up 80%. So online's played a significant role here. However, for the most part, the increased online sales will not be have been enough to offset uh, the impact, fully offset the impact of the uh, decline in bricks and mortar sales. And additionally, you have to recognize that such a big surge in online sales also brings, you know, uh, a dynamic to to the P&L in the form of added costs. Well, we know online shopping was certainly a game changer. And I think now we can pretty much call it a literal lifesaver. Uh, how impactful has Amazon's presence uh, been in the current environment? Well, um, I'd like to say that uh, first thing is that if there had not been an Amazon, uh, it's 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 quite likely that most of the retailers would not have been ready for this disruption. Makes good companies better, and I think that uh, Amazon uh, Amazon's rise as an online player across a broad number of categories, you know, forced a lot of retailers to uh, build their own online platforms and ensure that they would have have the technology in place and the ability to uh, you know serve the customer via via omnichannel. So, you know, when I talk about disruption, making good companies better, I'll just use Canadian Tire as an example. Um, if, you, if, if you look at the, the two other disruptors that we've seen in the retail sector, so a big disruptor in Canada was Walmart entering the market in 1994. And Walmart's moving to the market really made up the game for the grocers and for Canadian, Canadian Tire. And, you know, Put, put them make, making the right investments, focusing on the consumer, and just made them better uh, retailers. If we look at Target's move into Canada, even though they uh, weren't successful and made a quick uh, re- retreat, uh, Target's uh, entry forced Canadian Tire to step up, up its game in the home and housewares category and permitted the, um, the, them to get, have important uh, share gains, not only from Target's exit, but it left them very well positioned when Sears uh, ultimately uh, uh, left the uh, the marketplace. So pre-Amazon, I would say uh, they would not have been ready in 1999. And uh, I like I like to you know uh, emphasize the fact that disruption is not always bad. Disruption can actually improve a business model, and those are some examples of that. Well, COVID-19 seems to have been an accelerant uh, then for a lot of the. Uh, disruption that was already happening in uh, in the sector. So I'm curious about how things looked coming into this in the in the first place. If we go back to um, uh, 2000, you know, pr- prior to um, 2020 and COVID-19, 2019 set a record for retail bankruptcies and store closures. There were 23. Uh, retail bankruptcies in the U.S. in 2019, up from 17 in 2018. There were 9,300 store closing in the U.S., and that was the biggest year uh, ever and was up 60% from the level seen in 2018. It's not a bold statement for me to make that we're going to exit 2020 with another record year of bankruptcies and a record year of uh, store closures. To date, we've already seen Neiman Marcus, J. Crew, J.C. Penney, Aldo, and reinvents here in Canada file for bankruptcy. Uh, that list is going to get a lot uh, longer. Um, and, uh, you know, we're going to have a much more consolidated industry eventually. No grocers on that list, um, uh, of course. Uh, sales have been strong, as you had indicated off the, off the top. The concern, I guess, in that side has been more supply. First, 
uh, when consumers were making a run on the shelves. Uh, and then more recently, we seem to be facing a, a real supply concern, uh, specifically in, in the food processing side. Um, where are we right now with that situation? Um, where we are right now, certainly let's go, let's go back to the beginning where we had severe, you know, we had shortages and, and, and a supply issue that really just revolved around stockpiling and had nothing to do with any actual real shortages. And we're over that period and things had, had, had stabilized. Uh, most of the retailers worked very, very closely with their vendors to ensure that they got the supplies that they needed. Now, what you're referring to is what unfortunately has happened in uh, meat processing plants where COVID, uh, uh, COVID cases have interfered with the, you know, with the uh, uh, the slaughtering of and 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 processing of uh, meat. Now, right now we are we are in in, in the midst of a, a shortage of beef and uh, other other uh, uh, proteins. Uh, the price we've seen the price of beef rise quite rapidly uh, over the course of the past month, and retailers are actually starting to uh, ration. Uh, the number of items that people can purchase. We will get through this. It will take a little bit of time. I think some retailers are being quite creative about sourcing um, alternative, finding alternative sources for uh, this product. But I was in, just in a conversation yesterday with uh, one retailer who indicated that they are anticipating a 30% increase in uh, beef prices in, uh, in, in the coming months. So we're definitely going to see inflation in that category. And it showed up yesterday in the CPI food at home numbers. Speaking of uh, food at home, then, I mean, uh, the trend uh, out of necessity has been more grocery shopping, more eating at home. Uh, once things have sort of reopened on the restaurant side, are we all going to go flooding back in this uh, spike in groceries is is temporary? Well, it's simply my personal opinion, but I think uh, rushing back is not something we're going to see until we get a vaccine. Uh, but that having been said, I do believe that uh, consumers will exit the pandemic uh, holding on to some of the habits they've developed while while under uh, lockdown. Uh, you know, people have gotten used to cooking uh, three meals a day, seven days a week, discovered new habits like baking. We've heard all the anecdotal stories about that and discovered that maybe they, they like to uh, prepare meals. This is all going to be exacerbated by the fact that we're going to have a very severe economic slowdown. So by definition, you would see less eating out and less eating away from home. So some of the, 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 the some of the surge in uh, grocery shopping, you know, not to, at the current levels, but some of that will will, will stick because I think some of the habits uh, that uh, that people develop under lockdown will continue, and I think there'll also be uh, an economic impact, which will will see people eating more at home because that tends to be what happens in a more recessionary. Uh, in, in environment. Also, another point I want to make is the whole office-centric world that we've lived in pre-COVID-19, I think that that will be significantly de-emphasized, and we're going to see uh, people engaging in work from home at a much greater degree than we saw pre-COVID-19, and that will have impact, too, on driving habits. It will have an impact on public transportation. It'll have uh, an impact on eating at home and uh, eating out. And it also could impact uh, the apparel sector. So it sounds in a post-COVID world, we're still going to be seeing some lasting change affecting retail and restaurants. And these are 
two areas uh, that have seen significant um, unemployment. Uh, is it fair to say then, um, and unfortunately, that uh, several of these jobs may be lost forever? Uh, Greg, broadly speaking, I think I'd have to say yes. I referenced earlier the expectation that 2020 would be would see record uh, retail bankruptcies and record store closures. With the inter- industry overall operating with fewer stores, there will be an impact uh, on retail hires. However, it's probably worth mentioning that in the short to medium term, there's been a hiring spree in certain retail sectors like the grocers in order to meet the, the rise uh, in the, the significant rise in demand. Um, Walmart has announced uh, they are hiring 235,000 temporary workers. Loblaw here in Canada launched a website to recruit uh, temporary workers. Metro uh, sent out uh, messages to former summer students and retirees offering them jobs. They've been working with the government asking for more flexibility for visa renewals for foreign workers and also trying to up the hours uh, for uh, foreign students to 40 hours a week from uh, 24. And they've also reached out to specific companies that have started layoffs. Empire, the parent company of Sobeys, have indicated they're looking to hire over 8,000 temporary uh, workers, and they too have reached out to uh, uh, specific employers who have laid off uh, employees like Cineplex and Freshy. We don't know in the long term how many of those jobs that we're calling temporary will stick around, but I just wanted to make sure that I highlighted that. But definitely, broadly speaking, some of these jobs won't come back. So where do we go from here, Patricia? COVID has obviously had a, a massive impact on uh, just the way we live our lives. Uh, how is retail go- going to change as a result of uh, us going through this? Well, that is the all-important question that everybody wishes they had the answer to. Retail will definitely change because consumer behavior uh, will change and is changing. Uh, no no one would argue that this pandemic uh, will, uh, will against this pandemic resulting in profound changes in how not how we work, we shop, uh, and we uh, uh, live. Um, we're at the early stages of determining some of the changes in retail as, uh, as various jurisdictions are putting in place plans to reopen, and we're seeing some of that. It's really very difficult uh, to say what retail is really going to look like afterwards. I would say definitely what I referred to before, there are going to be far fewer retailers and far less bricks and mortar. There's going to be a lot more um, online. Sanitization and social distancing efforts will likely remain. But this is a very fluid, dynamic situation, and retailers are learning new things every day as they try to reopen stores and try to see how the how the consumer will react, what will the consumer be be comfortable with, when does the consumer fear go away. So I think uh, what I would point out is I think we'll see uh, a reshaping of retail going forward, permanent boost in e-commerce, contactless payments become even more important. I mentioned earlier curbside pickup. No one was really talking about that very much prior to this, and almost every retailer has adopted that. Technology is going to be coming increasingly important, and companies are going to be very focused on boosting technology uh, capabilities. As I said, I think we're going to see lasting behavioral change. It will be it will be very interesting to watch and monitor this and see you know where it does shape out and when consumers start to feel uh, more comfortable. 
supply chain is going to be something that all retailers are going to be looking at. I think consumers are going to be wanting to uh, shop more locally and pay more attention to the provenance of where things come from. And I think we'll see supply chain diversification uh, as a result uh, of that. Uh, but exactly how how it's going to look is is pretty much anyone's guess. We know some of the things that are going to be there, but we have a, there's a lot of more learning uh, that we need to see before we can determine what the new retail model will be. Have you started to see any innovation specifically, I guess, in the brick and mortar side to accommodate for social distancing and uh, our new way of doing things? Um, one interesting thing that I read about was a company in the Netherlands that de uh, developed a machine called the Clean Trolley, uh, which think about it, think of it as a little car wash for shopping carts, where it could do 30 carts in 30 seconds. So there's, you know, uh, necessity is the mother of invention, and I think we're going to see a lot of innovation uh, as, when we when we go forward. Uh, uh, Aritzia put out a, a release yesterday to the to their customers talking about what was going to be different when they reop reopened their stores. And one thing I thought was very interesting, and I had not heard this from anyone else before, is that they plan on having a, a dedicated nurse uh, uh, available uh, to their to their customers, which, which is interesting. I would say stay tuned for uh, innovation. I think if you think about the companies that the dis quick decision making everybody's had to make through this what re unprecedented uh, e event, uh, there has been there's been a lot of uh, brainstorming and 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 salt solve problem solving going on inside companies, and I think that's probably going to foster an even better culture of innovation, which uh, you know will help uh, determine exactly uh, where this all shakes out. How will consumer behavior change um, going forward? Do you think that there's any uh, retailers, for instance, that are already um, well prepared for? for the new normal? Well, I think one thing that uh, is going to come out of this is that consumers are going to be paying very much attention to how the retailers behaved during the pandemic and will have an affinity for those that they felt tra treated the customers, but not only the customers, but their employees and their community uh, uh, properly. I guess I would say, you know, one of the things that, if you, you know, that was very interesting was just how quickly the grocers jumped on board and made the changes and really focused on what they needed to do to make their customers feel comfortable and to reassure the customers that the supply chain for food uh, wasn't going to be uh, disrupted. So I would say all of the grocers did a very good uh, job there. I would point out that at the very beginning, it, it seemed that Empire or, or Sobeys got out in front and uh, came up with a, num a number of uh, innovative things to do. And then we saw everybody else follow suit, but everybody behaved uh, incredibly well. And we're very, very focused on doing whatever they needed to do to make sure the customers uh, got, uh, got their, their food and their essential items. That was Patricia Baker, Director of Retailing and Global Equity Research at Scotiabank. You can find more thought-leading content from Scotiabank on our website at gbm.scotiabank.com. And you can also follow us on Twitter at ScotiabankGBM, as well as our LinkedIn showcase page under Scotiabank Global Banking and Markets. Please refer to our legal disclosures on our website. Thanks for listening.